0: Thanks for joining us today as you listen to a portion of a message recorded at Vinelife Church in Boulder, Colorado. If you'd like to connect with us further, you can visit us online at www.vinelife.com. Come on again. Yeah, right on. <laughs> <laughs> Morning, how you doing? Thanks for that. Yeah, you guys are crazy. You guys came and prayed for me during worship, and I was like, I don't know if I'm even going to be able to uh, talk today. I'm just getting blasted by God over here. So, but thanks for that. Before we move on, we've just had a ton of people graduate, and I, I wanted to honor the people that have been with me for a while, and they're transitioning now into young adults with Harold and 303. And if you have graduated from high school, uh, I want you to stand up for just a moment. Could you stand with me? Okay, we, we want to commission you guys today, stay standing, don't sit down yet. If you see a graduate standing around you, I want you to just lay your hands on them. We're just going to commission them and pray over them and bless them off today. Yeah. God, we thank you and just lift your voice up. Pray for them out loud. Don't, not just me, but God, we just, we just lift them up. God, we thank you for who they are and what you're sending them to do. God, we pray that you would clothe them in your presence and in your power. God, that they would go out into this world with your glory. God, and that the fullness of who you are would be manifest everywhere they go. We release favor over them today. God, favor that doors would open, God, as they go to college or into jobs or whatever they're going from this place on, God, we release favor over them in Jesus' name. Yes, God. Amen. Amen. So, I love all of you guys. We're not kicking you out of the house or anything, though, so that's good. Well, these are, every fifth Sunday, we do what we're calling Family Sunday, and it's, it's kind of like we will bring everybody in here and we're starting to talk about our core values and what we call the four expressions. Maybe you have seen in the four year, the four expressions, there's family, creativity, goodness, and presence. Have you guys seen these things in the back, the fam- these four expressions? I wanted to open that up a little bit more today. And today we're just going to talk about family and being a family Sunday. That's a pretty good idea. So I'm just going to pray really quick and then I'm going to jump into it. So Holy Spirit, I, I thank you, God, that we're a family here and just want to ask that you would come and settle upon our hearts and open up our hearts to receive your revelation god and that it would impact our lives beyond sunday morning in jesus name amen so the reason i want to talk about family today is because it's kind of a tricky word some of us have had really positive family experience <laughs> some of us have had a really negative family experience and everything in between there is no perfect family right The thing about family, though, is that it is where we're all called to be the most known and the most seen. But for many of us, it's actually been the place where we've been the most misunderstood, right? The most unseen, even the most disrespected. But whether you've had the best of families or the worst of families, it's one of the things that you just can't get away from, no matter how hard you try, no matter how far you run. Because God, even before all of creation, Existed three and one as a family. He <laughs> God is a relationship, right? God, three and one, the Trinity, and He created us in His image, which means we can't get away from family, even if we tried. You see, and in, independence is an illusion. We can just sacrifice that idol right now. Because there is nothing that is living that is not also dependent upon something else, right? Name one thing, and you win, because it doesn't exist. With this idea that independence being illusion, and that nothing living is living outside of a relationship with something else, we have to know that there is no fullness of life outside of family in Christ. It doesn't exist. If you want the abundant life that Christ has prepared for you, then it's going to have to happen in the context of community, relationship, and real friendships. Friendships. Am I talking about physical family or spiritual family? Yes, I'm talking about it both. But there is something that happens when we come into Christ. Blood is thicker than water. That's true, right? You guys heard that before? But when we come into Christ, we become a part of a much thicker bloodline than we could imagine. It's the bloodline of His Son, Jesus Christ. And this moves past brother, sister, mother, father. We now enter into a global family called the kingdom of God, the saints all across the world. And it's not just physical bodies. There's a whole host of saints called the cloud of witnesses, which are also our family. And they're just existing in heavenly realms, cheering us on right now. Even in this moment, they're peering in to everything that's happening in this room. I know that angels and creatures and all these things in heavenly places aren't human beings, but they're different species. But you know what? They're part of our family as well because they're part of our story and they're interacting with us every single day. Family is now something that is so much more vast than we could ever imagine, right? So with all that being said, how is it that family actually empowers us to change the world? How is it that family... Activates and awakens us to know and release the fullness of God into the world. How? A while back, right after Rachel and I got married, uh, something began to happen to me, and I we were living in Ireland. We we've been married om, be almost nine years now, so it's pretty awesome. We've been I know, and some of you maybe you're new here and you don't know who this guy is. Who's this young buck up here preaching? Maybe you know, maybe you've been following the Lord for thirty years, but I just need to say. Uh, you could just blame Luke. He's the one that asked me to come up here. And, you know, God lives inside of me. Maybe he has something to say. So, but either way, Rachel and I just got married. We were living in Ireland at the time. It was kind of a crazy season. And during this season, I actually had a dream. And in the dream, I'm standing in Bethel Church in Redding, California. And some of you may have heard of Bethel Church. Some of you may have not. But it's Bethel is a church in Redding, California, where there's been a pretty amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit happening for some time now, and it's honestly one of my favorite places on the planet. If you haven't heard of it, you should go check it out. It's awesome. But in my dream, I'm standing in this church, and their pastor there, Bill Johnson, is preaching on a verse out of the Old Testament, and he's saying, this verse is imperative to understand for miracles to happen in the church today. And I'm holding my Bible open in the back row, and he gets off stage, and this other woman gets up, and she begins to prophesy about focusing our hearts onto eternal relationships. And I'm listening to her, but I'm keeping my eye on Bill in my peripheral vision. He gets to about eight feet away from me in the dream, and he goes, Will, Will. And I begin to tremble and shake in my dream, like, oh my gosh. And I turn to him, and he says, Will, you know, it's extraordinary that and then the phone rang, and I woke up. Mid-sentence, I wake up out of the dream. I was so frustrated. I was about to get the word of a lifetime in my dream, and I wake up mid-sentence. Are you kidding me right now? It was my dad that called me, too. I was real frustrated. But I get off the phone, and I could not remember what that dang verse was that he was talking about. What verse is so imperative to understand for miracles to happen in the church today? I don't even remember what the verse was. But I did have... A photographic memory of its precise location on a page in my Bible. (laughs) I I didn't know what the verse said. I didn't know what book it was even in. I just knew that it was the first and second verse in the second chapter that started on the first page of an Old Testament book on the right-hand page in the right column in the middle of the right-hand column in the first and second verse. It was super precise. It doesn't get more precise than that. So I would run to my Bible, which was the Bible's holding a dream, and I'd go through each page of every... I'm like, I'm going to look at each, each first page of each Old Testament book until I find that exact verse. I need to find the verse that fits that criteria. And I went through each first page of each Old Testament book, and finally, I found one verse in my whole Bible that fit that exact criteria. It's 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. You can put it up on the screen. It talks about Elisha following Elijah to Bethel. Now, this is where... I freak out because I love divine coincidence. I thrive on divine coincidence. It's how God speaks to me, crazy coincidences, all the time. And I'm freaking out. I'm like, I just had a dream. I was in Bethel. I couldn't remember the verse. I go to this verse and it says Bethel. I'm freaking out. Rachel's dead asleep. I go and wake her up. I'm like, You won't believe what just happened to me. She's like, What are you talking about? You're crazy. This is nuts. And it made sense to me. Maybe it doesn't make sense to you, but at least it did to me. And I'm reading this verse, and this verse is imperative to understand for miracles to happen in the church today. How so? And after conversation, after some prayer, Rachel and I decided that we needed to just go and visit this church. It was about a year later, but the dream continued to hang over my head. And we show up, and I'm there on a Sunday morning, and the pastor there is preaching, and he gets done. Bill Johnson walks to the back, and he's greeting people, and I walk up to him. And I tell him the dream that I had had, and I said, look, I'm here because I need you to finish your sentence. (laughs) And he's like, wow. He just pauses for a moment, and I'm just waiting, right? And he goes, you know, it's not a sentence that needs to be finished. It's a lifestyle that needs to be lived. And then he prayed over me, and I shook like a jackhammer for the next 30 minutes. I didn't know what hit me. And I just need to pause for a moment and just take a quick bunny trail. He did finish his sentence. He didn't realize it. You know, Will, it's extraordinary that it's not a sentence that needs to be finished, but a lifestyle that needs to be lived. If you are pursuing your calling and your destiny in life, and you're expecting it to be one climactic moment, one particular place in time, then you've missed it. Because it's not about a period at the end of a sentence, but it's an extraordinary lifestyle that needs to be lived, a destiny that you get to experience. There's many destinations in your journey with God, and it's extraordinary, and it's now and forever into eternity. Right? So don't feel like... You've missed the boat, or you've missed your destiny, because you're in it right now. We're all in our destiny right now. We're smack dab in the center of it. You can't get any more center in your destiny than you already are. But either way, after that experience, Rachel and I decided, oh, we think we need to move out here. I think that God is calling us to move out here. And It wasn't until we moved out there that the Lord actually began to unpack what the meaning of that verse is. Why is it so imperative for us to understand the dynamic relationship between Elisha and Elijah for miracles to happen in the church today? Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. And some of you might know the story between Elisha and Elijah, but if you don't, basically Elisha was like a spiritual son to Elijah. was a mentor, he was like a spiritual dad, and he was raising him up to basically inherit his anointing, his calling, his destiny, and the, the mantle that God had placed upon him. So Elisha is following Elijah everywhere he goes, and he's relentless, he's annoying, he, can't, he will not leave him alone. And finally, in 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 10, 9 and 10, Elijah asks Elisha, "'What do you want from me? What the heck are you after here?' And you can put that verse up on the screen as well. It's Elijah, chapter two, Elijah, 2 Kings, chapter two, it's nine and ten. What shall? What do you want from me? And Elijah said, "I need. A, I want a double portion of your spirit to be upon me." He's after the presence of God. He's pursuing the presence of God on his dad. I want the relationship with God that you have. I want the double portion of what you have. The funny thing about this verse is that it's kind of the conference hoppers' favorite verse, right? They go from conference to conference, and they run up front, and they say, give me a double portion, give me a double, get your, I want it, I want it. And we want our impartations like we want our McDonald's. Give me a double with cheese and give in now. I'm, I want it, right? Have you guys ever experienced, hey, and I'm not knocking going from conference to conference to receive impartation and blessing, <clears throat> because I've received major breakthrough, major spiritual impartation when I've gone to conferences and had people lay hands on me, and amazing things happen, Right? But when you look at the dynamic, the, the family relationship, the father-son relationship between Elisha and Elijah, this is not a one-night impartation, right? This is a lifestyle. This is a family. This is father and son. And Elijah says, you know what? You've asked a hard thing. You want double of what God's given me? You've asked a hard thing. He says, if you want this, you need to see me when I get taken up in a chariot of fire. Okay? He needs to see him. I know this is talking about a physical eyeball situation. If you physically see me when I'm taken up in a chariot of fire and go into heavenly realms, then you can have the mantle that that falls off me when I go up. But I want to look at that a little bit deeper and think about what if Elijah was saying, hey, look, look, son, if you want what I have, then you need to see me. You don't just need to see me, but you need to see me. Do you know me? Do you know my heart? Do you know who I am? do you see me? Because if you can see the real me, then you can have what I have and you can take it and it's going to grow and it's going to go from glory to glory, right? That's how he received inheritance. It was through seeing. The same principle actually shows up in Jesus's ministry. It's in Mark chapter six. Jesus is going from town to town, He's doing ministry. He's healing the sick. He's raising the dead, having a blast, right? Things are just popping all over the place. And Then he goes to his old hometown. And all of a sudden, he can only do a few miracles there. Everything comes to a halt. You see, the word familiar comes from the word family. And the people there were familiar with Jesus. They knew who he was. He was that carpenter guy. You know, the guy his his mom conceived him out of wedlock yeah who's this guy who you think you are jesus to come and tell us what's true and to do miracles in our town you think you're a prophet hold on but they didn't see him they did everything they believed about him was true in a sense that it was a fact but it wasn't the truth of who he truly was in the spirit and everywhere else he goes people could see that he was something other than just a carpenter and because they could see it they could receive it and that's where miracles begin to break forth. If it's true for Jesus and the people he's ministering to, and it's true for Elisha to receive the mantle from Elijah, to see and to see correctly, then it's also true for us, right? How, how then do we need to see in order to receive what we've been given? How can we actually begin to receive? You see, a double portion is the smallest portion that you could ask for in the new covenant. I'm not after a double portion because it says in Ephesians that I've already received every blessing in spiritual places. God has already given me his fullness. God dwells in bodily form inside of me. I'm a temple of not just a little bit of God. All of God lives right here in my belly, right? But how, how come I'm not seeing the fullness manifest? How come I'm not seeing, well, if I have every spiritual blessing, why isn't it popping out everywhere then? Well, it has to do with, do we see it? Can you see it? Do you even know who you are? What if we began to stop being familiar with each other and we actually started to become a family? Yeah. To see the person that's sitting next to you for who they truly are? You might have known that person your whole life. You might have known them for 20 years. You know what kind of clothes they wear, the car they drive, the job they have. You know everything good they've done, everything bad they've done. But none of that matters because who you are is not based on what you own or what you do. Do you see that person? Do you know them after the Spirit as the new creation that Christ has made them to be? Do you see them as carriers of the fullness? Did you know all of God is actually in the person sitting next to you right now? I mean, that's mind-blowing if you just want to think about that for a minute. And just close your eyes. You know, you could, you could get lost in that for too long. I believe the answer for this verse, for for how we can begin to receive the inheritance that Christ has laid up for us right here in this room, is found in Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. You don't need to turn there. We can put it up on the screen real quick. We should go to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. And Paul is praying for the, the, the saints in Ephesus, and he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, see, this has to do with seeing, right? The eyes of your heart might be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, his, the, his, of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. We get to partake in his inheritance. Where is the inheritance? In the saints. Where's the kingdom of God? It's in you. Where's the inheritance? it's in you. That means that more than a double portion inheritance is laid up in the person to your left and to your right, right? It's right here in this room right now. It's in me, it's in you, but we need to have the eyes of our heart enlightened to perceive it so that we can receive it. Okay? There's another verse that I don't know if I ever don't bring this verse up when I'm talking about anything, but it's 2 Corinthians 5.16, 5.17. It's about becoming a new creation. In 5.16, Paul basically says that he no longer sees anybody. If you don't have that verse, that's fine. I'm going to look it up right here. Paul says, from now on, I don't know anyone in a purely human way or from a merely human perspective? And then right after that, he says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Everything old about him has passed away, and he is now a new creation, right? So what if we begin to look at each other as not merely human anymore? We are fully human, but we're fully united with God. We're not just walking around with emptiness inside. The fullness of the Godhead lives inside of us, right? I believe that if we can begin to be family and see each other for who we actually are, we are going to begin to see in this house a great manifestation of the sons of God and heaven actually coming to earth. The more we become family, the more miracles are going to become normal. Because we're seeing each other for who we truly are. And then that's allowed to actually come out and be made real. I'm not talking about just saying, yeah, I'm a new creation in theory somewhere in heavenly places. Somewhere out there in the spirit realm, I'm a new creation. But man, right here on the earth, I'm not talking about the potential you. Don't look at the person to your left and your right and say, I see your potential. No, because God sees reality. He sees you for you truly are right now in this very moment. This is how heaven comes to earth. This is how this verse about Elisha and Elijah is imperative for us to understand for miracles to happen in the church today. It's all about family and it's all about receiving from the fullness that we all already carry. And watching glory to glory and glory to glory begin to happen. This is how we our ceiling becomes the next generation's floor. This is how our supernatural becomes the next generation's natural. This is how our impossible becomes the next generation's possible. Our extraordinary becomes the next generation's ordinary. It's through seeing each other. We get to honor not because people are doing honorable things, but because honor is who we are. It's in our DNA. It's part of our new nature. We're honorable people. And there's a, I think Walt said it a while back, but it's, we don't, we don't honor because people are worthy of honor. We don't have a choice here. We honor because we see them for who they truly are, not where they've been at, not what they've done. When I look out in this room, I see a room full of new creations. So if you would all just stand with me for a moment, I'm going to ask that God begins to open the eyes of our heart because this is not some key or 10-step process to enter into the glory or to receive your inheritance in Christ. This is really just about seeing your neighbor for who they truly are. And automatically, in that place of seeing, you'll begin to receive. So put your hand on people next to you. God, I pray that you would begin to open the eyes of our heart to see with your eyes, God, that you would begin to peer through our own eyes and show us how you see people, not based on their performance, not based on what they've done good or bad, but based on how you see them in heavenly places, God, that we would become a company of people that is true family, that's no longer familiar with each other according to the world, God, but according to who you say we are. Let that become a reality for us and not just a theory. We thank you that you're uniting us together as one body in perfect unity, God. And we bless your name. We praise you, Father. You are so good. You are a good dad. And we thank you for bringing us into this family and that we get to experience your goodness for all of eternity. Thank you that we get to awaken the world to know your fullness by simply seeing each other for who we actually are and being a family. In Jesus' name, amen. And I'm just going to close with this. Talk to people next to you. Maybe you don't know them. Maybe you've known them for 20 years, but go out to lunch with people today. Get to know somebody after the Spirit. Bypass all the small talk and try and figure out who is this person in heavenly places. I just want to bless you guys with that today. And if we could have the ministry team come up.